All right, y'all. Welcome back. Part two uh, on a Friday here on the Chase Must Podcast. As we wrap up here, two-parter today on the Chase Must Podcast here at the Blue Wire Pod Network. We wrap up here talking all things Alabama football. Yeah, Alabama football. Pretty good. Uh, still probably going to be pretty good in uh, 2022, but we get into all of that with Michael uh, Casagrande of AL.com, longtime uh, reporter in Alabama and covering the Tide and all that good stuff. So we were able to dive into a lot of just where the Tide are at uh, with Benson and um, Burton coming in as transfers, uh, how the offensive line looks going into next year, uh, how the rotation on a multiple uh, different uh, settings will will unfold here this fall. Um, early recruiting stuff, Arch Manning, um, how Tennessee can build off how they played uh, Alabama last year, and if that game will be closer, uh, even deeper into the fourth uh, in 2022, we shall see. Um, but And then some stuff on Nick Saban and just getting a feel for Nick and how much longer he's got and what he might do and what his plans are post-college, so or post-coaching at Alabama, that is. So all that and more uh, with Michael. It was a lot of fun uh, talking all things Alabama Crimson Tide football. So that's coming up here as we wrap up here on a Friday uh, on the Chase Most Podcast. Thank you, as always, for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your daily listen here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. All kinds of great shows across the Blue Wire Pod Network. We got Green Light with Chris Long. We've got uh, Insight with Chris Van Fleet. We got Spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins. All kinds of great programs uh, all across our network. So uh, go check all of those out as well. Not just the Chase Thomas podcast, but I do appreciate you checking out this program and being subscribed. So make sure you smash that uh, subscribe button on your preferred podcast player if you have not already done so. Uh, and if you prefer to watch the program or check out all the video content we got cooking here at the Chase Thomas Podcast, you can uh, check that out, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. As always, you can email this very program, get in touch with me, Chase Thomas Podcast at gmail.com. All right, part two, wrapping up here on a Friday. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Month Podcast, taping this on a Thursday afternoon. Special guest who has not been on this very program to this point, but very glad to have him on this afternoon. He is of the AL.com, the one of uh, my favorite beat writers and sports writers in the Southeast. So it's a it's a treat to get him on uh, this afternoon edition of the program. Uh, Michael Casa Grande. I, I knew I was gonna have to say it slow. It's like one of those names where you read and I just I know I can't do it fast, Michael. And I'm sure other people are like they met all kinds of different pronunciations. So I hope I got that right. Yeah, nope. I hate, I've heard it all. That was good. There we go. There we go. Well, um, we're in the heart of the summer. Uh, just craziness with uh, college football realignment and everything and i'm kind of exhausted from talking about that front um what i am curious about is the actual football teams and uh where teams stand right now and what it's going to look like this fall uh when you look at uh, alabama and uh I, spoiler alert folks they're probably gonna be pretty good again this fall um what have you what have you been keeping your eye on uh this summer or this spring is there one position group battle is there one storyline that has kind of really intrigued you on this roster or this coaching staff what has it been for you yeah, I mean, there's some there's some new new faces coming in, some interesting transfers, um, skill position uh, players. Jameer Gibbs coming from Georgia Tech is an interesting name. Um, uh, you've got uh, receivers, um, Harrell coming over from Louisville. 
uh, guy from Georgia coming in at receiver. So you got a lot of you got a lot of new faces um, at key positions. Uh, it, it worked last year with Jamison Williams coming over from Ohio State, becoming you know going from a potential second string guy at Ohio State to becoming uh, Politnikoff finalists, first round draft pick. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be you know there there are some high profile names that are high profile positions that everyone's to watch offensively and. Um, offensive line um, is is probably the biggest question mark for this group. Um, going out and getting Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt in the transfer portal at tackle um, is is not really the route that most people wouldn't expect to see Alabama go. Um, in a you know coming off a season where they were in a national championship game, um, but it's it's uh, I think that's a, a concern. It was a concern a year ago, losing two tackles um, from that group. Should you know, it, it's going to make for more of an interesting preseason with the with the offensive line. So new faces all over the place on offense. Well, which which do you think is going to be the most stable with all the new faces? What would you bet on? Would you bet the running back room, the wide receiver room, or the offensive line room? It's a it's a good question because I mean a year ago you would have said the the, the running back room looks to be among the more stable just with the number of people coming back, uh, and then you have injuries to three players, three potential starters, uh, three guys who were – or two guys who were the number one – or number two guys behind Brian Robinson and Roydale Williams, uh, Jason McClellan. You also had Kamar Wheaton get hurt, five-star freshman coming in. Mm-hmm. So uh, the stability – they were to the point where they had a linebacker taking snaps um, in games late in the season because they, they ran out of stability. So it's one of those things where you think you can have an idea for it in, in August, September – or August or June, July – um, I think there's just a lot still to be proven on all those positions. Um, definitely offensive line, a lot of, a lot of work still to be done running back there. So a lot of talent, uh, only one ball for them to carry. So it's going to be interesting to see who, you know, Jameer Gibbs appears to be the guy who'd be the number one, uh, with Brian Robinson graduating, but there's just a lot still to be determined. Um, who's, you know, where are they going to find places for everybody to play? So do- is it something like where Gibbs, because he seems like a kind of different kind of guy than uh, what Alabama running backs have been traditionally. Um, what what excites you the most about how he'll be used in uh, in Bill O'Brien's game? Yeah, I mean, it, I think it just remains to be seen. We don't get to see much in the spring, in the, the 8A game, spring game. Gibbs ran, broke a, a big, long touchdown run, was probably one of the few offensive highlights for the first team offense in that game. Um, there was kind of a one cut run. It wasn't like something where he was, uh, it was too outstanding or too explosive of a play. So it's, it's, it was hard to really get that much out of it. He didn't have much room to run otherwise with the offensive line uh, injuries had a few starters out to begin with in the eight day game. So there was, they're kind of working with a second, second team group in the first with the first team going against an offensive, a defensive front that's among the best in the country. So there wasn't much room for him to run in that game. So I think there's still a lot more to be seen from him and what he can do and how he translates that to this offense. But he was a pretty good catch, uh, pass catcher coming out of the backfield at Georgia Tech. So I think that's something that they're going to look to loosen things up. But anytime you have a good downfield passing threat, when, when there's a running back who can um, can can come out of the backfield that can really change the way defense plays. They're going to have to pick one or the other. So uh, I think that's an interesting dynamic to look at. Between Burton and Benson, who would you bet on uh, having a bigger impact this year? 
it's, you know, Burton, I, I was impressed with him the few times I've seen him play with Alabama playing Georgia. I remember he had a good game uh, 2020 fall when they came to Bryant Denny Stadium. I remember just thinking he was uh, a receiver who could be explosive. Um, so when, when he decided to come to Alabama, I thought he could be um, definitely an impact player. So uh, is he as good as, as uh, Williams was coming from uh, Ohio State? I don't know. But uh, I, I think – they were there were some deficiencies in the receiving group that was behind uh, him and Mechie is was exposed in the championship game when there really wasn't anyone to go to when when the top two threats were out. So I think he, there's those additions were big in the passing game. Who do you think was responsible for that? Was that just something that just it's unfortunate, but no one's really to blame? Was there a reason that they were just kind of a fish out of water once uh, Mechie and James uh, and Jameson Williams were gone? I think there's there's a number of ways of looking at it, um, but I think I mean Nick Saban has said in this off season that that they they didn't prepare for the moment, so they weren't ready when it came. That they were maybe preparing to be backups, thinking that this wasn't the year for them. And by the time they were forced into action, it, the the preparation wasn't there, and they weren't ready for the moment. So I'm, I'm sure there are a number of ways of looking at it. There were also several transfers after after that game. So there, there, there's probably a, a number of different ways of looking at it, different perspectives, but it just didn't seem like there was the same. Um, I mean, just the, there was talent there. There just wasn't the same level of uh, chemistry or whatever with the, with the passing game. That's interesting. Um, what do you think uh, was the biggest lesson you took away from last year's Alabama team versus this year? What do you think will be different where you're like, all right, they, this is where they got exposed in a little, in a way where this will not happen again if they get matched up with a Georgia all over again in the SEC title game or in the championship game? I think some of it's the mindset that, that they had. That there were some issues mid-season, early season with the way to approach bigger games. Um Will Anderson had talked about the way that he was disappointed, the way they prepared for Florida and almost got beaten that game. Um, the same issue he talked about going into the um, into the Texas A&M game that they did lose. So I think th- there was there were some maturity issues maybe on that team where they hadn't been through it, and there was some degree of thinking that that they were Alabama and they were going to be able to get by on their their you know the name on the jersey, name on the helmet. Um, I, I think that might have – what they went through last year, and not not that they went through huge trials and tribulations, but what they went through in losing two games, I think that may have woken some of the younger players up, the ones who stayed, um, to to have a little bit more of the hunger that may have been missing at certain points last season. Is there a favorite for you in the 2023 class that you're most intrigued by uh, arriving in Tuscaloosa? To be honest, I, we have a guy who covers recruiting and the handles mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. So I, I don't know if I've been as as up to date in handling some of the twenty twenty three recruiting. I know the the the, the quarterback Eli out of mm-hmm. out of Louisiana. Um, obviously, they the wasn't the Manning Arch Manning that everyone wanted, but uh, there seems to be a lot of positive feedback coming out uh, about about the, the, the quarterback they did land. So. Um, it's down the road for now at this point, but I, I think that they got a pretty good quarterback in the in Eli. Do you think they were surprised that they weren't in the final two? It seems like with Arch. It's another good question. I I don't know. I mean, at a certain point when when they did get the commitment a few weeks before Arch uh, mm. committed to Texas, I think at that point that there was they wouldn't be accepting 
commitments if they thought that that was still a real possibility hmm. from such a high profile quarterback. What if, uh, what do you find the most interesting thing about covering Nick Saban? Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot. Um, I just, the, the, the character study of, of trying to understand who Nick Saban is, what it's, what makes him tick, what he's all about. I think that's, it's kind of always been an interesting thing. Uh, I've covered him since 2009 and it's just kind of, I've just kind of seen some evolution from him over the years and, and some things that are exactly the same as they were when, when I got here and people who covered him in the past say that some things are exactly the same. So there's, there's some evolution to him and he's, he's adapted to some of the modern game where people were, were weren't sure if he was ready to, to transition to, up-tempo offenses and he answered that question um but I, just his mindset what makes him tick um trying to people always ask me what's Nick Saban like and it's just a, it's a hard question to answer because it's it's complicated he's complicated he's not like most of us um he just what, what motivates him what makes him tick is just different from the average person um do you feel like he's always real with you is what do you feel like he's always real with you? And because uh, he seems more media friendly than you would expect. Like he's he's gonna he seems to be in that more media friendly than like a Kirby or somebody. I guess it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, there are just different ways of looking at it. Some in some ways, you know, the, there's more than what meets the eye sometimes, and there's more than what's what's seen on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what do you think the biggest thing they get wrong about Saban? Like national media folks who are not plugged into Tuscaloosa and what goes on day to day with Saban. What do you think they get wrong about him? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if people necessarily get things wrong. It's a, there. It might be exaggerations, things that that you know. There aren't too many things we're here that it's like, oh, that's absolutely not what he's like. Because he can be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a difference from what you see on TV and what you'd see when cameras go off. Mm. in a number of ways so i mean what's right and what's wrong i think it's it's sometimes there's some gray area that's hard to really put your finger on and say this is right this is absolutely wrong it's just there's more to it and it's hard to you know i have to really think deeper on that on exactly how to describe it but it's you know it's complicated it's not as always as, as straightforward as it might seem what do you think he dies after he retires do you have a sense of that at all? No, I mean that's the that's the the question that's people pondered for years, and I, no one's really sure. I don't really. I think no one knows but him, in in a certain way, because it, he's he's modeled his career. He's kind of had certain people he's had as heroes or people that he looked up to, and there you know there are certain generations of coaches who aren't really sure how to how to handle retirement. I mean, you look at Bear Bryant; he died a month after his final game, Joe Paterno was spooked out by, by the way Bear Bryant died right after he retired. And he ended up following a very similar timeline. So I think there's, there's certain coaches that aren't really sure what to do if they don't have football. And he's always said that he's, he's not, he's always been a part of a team and he doesn't, he doesn't know what he would do without being part of a team. So, you know, if he, do you think he'll keep going for a while longer? You think he's not even close to being done? It seems like I, it's it, it's so hard to say it, it, because going back to the, it, he's he he is so he thinks so much differently. He what makes him tick is so much different from so many of us. It's hard to put our mindset and how we would handle things into what 
and and translate that into his brain because it just it just kind of operates differently from from a lot of us. Um, I, I think that if he were to retire with useful years ahead of him, that he would do something that would be you know quote unquote part of a team, um, whether it's broadcasting or something that where he wouldn't be. I can't see him just going and sitting on a dock and staring at the at the at the lake in Georgia. I think he's going to be part of something um, as as far as he can, as much as he can, in his productive years. Interesting. Um, in terms of the Tennessee game last year, that was a lot of fun, and I want to get your perspective. Like me being a Tennessee guy, and that game was a lot of fun, a lot of back and forth. The infamous Josh Jibs looking the wrong way, and uh, Cedric Tillman's already way past him for a big game, but. Um, it seems like they kind of tripped up Alabama on the road and they get Tennessee or they get Alabama at home. There's a potential scenario, very realistic one, I think, as long as the 40 games goes a certain way, but we'll, we'll have to see. They're both five and zero coming in that game. Like, do you think, did you see something in that game last year? And with the way that Tennessee plays and hypo plays that makes you wonder if um, that's, that's a team to watch kind of like what Hugh Freeze did to Saban and um, Gus Malzahn some years. Do you, do you see that as one where like folks are just might want to keep an eye on on that game this year yeah i mean i think i i, I definitely think that I, I saw something different from tennessee um this year this past year as opposed to previous years um you know i cover the team since 2009 tennessee's come close a few times but haven't really um you know maybe 2009 was the biggest the, the biggest threat the yeah. the rocky block game um so I, I have never really been part of this, covered this rivalry when it was a real actual rivalry um, mm. where there was a real threat. So I think, but I do think that Hypo, I saw something different from Hypo's teams. I think he's a different kind of coach. I think he's better than the last few they've had since Fulmer. So I think that there's, I think there's reason for some positivity for Tennessee to, to see that there might be some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I, I like the way their offense played. I liked Hooker as a quarterback. Um, I think they had some real potential. We'll end here. Uh, do you think this season ends with a national championship for for Alabama? Does this feel like a a better version than last year? And they win they win it all. You know, it's one of those. I, I always have a hard time saying definitely yes at this time of year because there's so many factors that still need to play out. But I mean, it's it's I I I'd, I'd want to see how the the new guys, the new parts in the offense, how they fit in. Uh, how that chemistry works because you you know sometimes it does sometimes it fits like a glove like with Jamison Williams and sometimes it doesn't. Um, so I think there's there's there are enough new factors to to consider that uh, before you know it, who else is out there who's going to be the real challenging who's that number two team if they're number one uh, you know how does Georgia reload after losing as many guys I can't remember fourteen or fifteen of the NFL drafts you know teams LSU couldn't handle that sort of loss after 2019 and their championship. We'll see, you know, how deep is Georgia's program. So um, uh, I think there's, there's, you know, there's potential for a lot of things to happen this season. So I'm not, I haven't thought too deep into what's going to happen in January yet. It's more about what's going to happen in August and and September before we get there. But uh, I don't think that the championship is out of the question as it hasn't been for a while. I like it. Uh, Michael, how do good folks keep up with your work and uh, support local journalism in the state of Alabama? Uh, yeah, al.com uh, is uh, the home for, you know, it's the biggest news source in, in the state of Alabama, and you can always find our work on there. 
There you go. There you go. Michael, thank you so much for making the time today. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to circle back again soon. I appreciate you having all right, y'all, that'll do it. Part two here on a Friday on the Chase Thomas podcast. Thank you for making the Chase Thomas podcast part of your day. Listen and checking out part two of the po- uh, program. If you missed part one, guess what? If you're subscribed and checking us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your preferred podcast player, you can find it uh, there and all my previous episodes from this week and every episode before. All kinds of great content uh, in July already. But uh, yeah, more and more on the way. We've got a three-parter, it looks like, on a Saturday. Uh, here on the Chase Most Podcast. Um, that will probably be it until Monday morning, uh, traveling back to Atlanta for the weekend. So I will be away. Uh, no sports reporters assemble, unfortunately. So, um, But yeah, we'll we'll be back. Normal schedule next week and all that good stuff. But uh, there you go. If you liked today's episode, you haven't already done so, you know what I'm going to ask. Leave this show a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it. All that good stuff. Um, YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. Like and subscribe. All that good stuff. All right. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.